The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to Be Wealthy. I'm your host for this episode, Spencer Hager. With me, Tony Payne. Both of us are certified financial planners. Our founder, John Sestina, is with us. And we have a pretty uh, pretty fun show planned. I don't know the last time it's been this three as the combo, but it uh, should be fun. Yep. Yeah. So Great we'll, topic. Yeah, we'll jump right into it. So I want to try and actually cut the current events to a little bit shorter tonight. We'll see what everyone has to say. But the main topic is going to be uh, business interests. So a lot that can go into that. So it's really just going to be a comprehensive guide as much as we can get through in an hour for uh, for people thinking about starting a business, have a business, you name it. But uh, first one, top of everyone's mind, inflation readings came out for the month of August, killed the stock market for the week it was not doing so hot and uh tony we were actually texting about this the morning before it came out i was reading some headlines and there was hopes it maybe went down slightly but then if you excluded energy and you look at what's called the core cpi maybe it went up a little bit and then the essentially right. the headline came out slightly worse than was anticipated and then everyone had a, a hissy fit i mean how'd you both feel seeing it well, I think as you and I were chatting, Spencer, I mean, the idea that so many of the commentators kind of forgot how the numbers work, I guess. <laughs> I mean, the idea that energy was going to be this big driving factor in it. I mean, for all these years, we've talked about why they exclude energy from inflation, why that's not the only number or the driving number, because it is so volatile. Mm -hmm. I mean, if the thing doubles over a couple months and it gets cut in half, is that really inflation going down? Or is that just going back to normal of a volatile market? So, Spencer, when you and I chatted, I mean, the idea like we're talking about today, mm -hmm. the cost for businesses went up. They went up ever so slightly, but they certainly didn't go down. And energy is just one part of that. Well, for our listeners' benefit, what are core issues? What are those core things they're talking about? Basically everything except food and energy. I mean, we could say it that way, I think, John. Productivity. Everything except food and energy. Everything except food and energy. Those are the volatile commodities that typically go up and down. So that's why a lot of times people reference like mortgage rates, and that's why the hope, I think, with the Fed increasing rates, that'll kind of affect some of those other items outside of food and energy, like mortgage rates, the fact that the 30 years is over 6% now, things like that. And to be more specific with you, John, too, I mean, housing's in there. Housing is mm -hmm. a big component of core CPI, and housing did not get any cheaper. Housing is a big expense for most Americans, and it actually went up again ever so slightly. So that's why, Spencer, it wasn't, I guess we were the ones calling it, but it wasn't a big surprise mm -hmm. that this thing didn't go down a lot. Yeah, to add some numbers to the context, essentially before they were saying that maybe CPI, not core CPI, so CPI including the the energy and the food, that was going to hopefully go down 0.1%, right? So that's not a, <laughs> not that a didn't sound deal. great to me, but I was like, okay. And then it was core CPI, when you take that out, still goes up 0.3%. And then essentially what it came out to was 
CPI went up 0.1% instead of down 0.1, and then core went up 0.6 instead of 0.3. You know what's amazing is here we are, including us, right, talking about this inflation thing and accepting the fact that the Fed is going to raise rates until they cripple America. You think about that? Who gets hurt by the rate raising? The middle guy, the little guy, and that's their solution. There's a better solution and it would fix it instantaneously. And that is release the Fed, get the Fed out of the way, let the interest rate go wherever it's gonna go, as high as it wants to go or whatever. And in the meantime, remove the regulations that are killing the business world right now, because we're talking about businesses. And when you would, if you start a business, you're gonna see regulations are the killer. I heard someone today tell me that uh, they opened a, a cookie store and they found out the government's making more money than they are just on regulations that they have to impose are being imposed. So we do that. Let, uh, let the economy roar, release the, release all these daggone things all the back, let the economy roar. And within two months, Tony, we'd be back on our feet. All right. That's the Sestina plan. That's it. That's <laughs> Sounds it. pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Check it out with, the, with some of the other non prejudicial <laughs> governmental people and i think some of them will agree <laughs> yeah yep i will say i think i thought the funny part was tying it back to the stock market and maybe i'm just lucky that i'm conditioned not to to freak out too much with the market i think we all watch it but i actually ran into a friend i hadn't seen in years leaving a grocery store that day and we were just talking really quick and the first thing he said is uh isn't the uh, s&p 500 down four percent today and I, I kind of laughed thinking to myself, I wonder what it would have been if the report did come out to be what people anticipated. It would have gone up. And then past couple of times, the feds messed with rates. It's, it's crazy to watch it. They announce something and then people feel great about it. The feds on top of it. Stock market shoots through the roof. Next day it opens up, gives up half of what it got the day before. I mean, right. it just seems so counterintuitive. The inflation part's tough. We're all dealing with it. And we talk about it almost every show, but how the stock market re reacts to it, it just never seems predictable to me. That's part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we know. As soon as you think it's going to go right, it goes left. As soon as all the commentators are talking about how it's <laughs> yeah. going to go down, it goes up. And when everybody says it's going to go side to side, it may somehow end up down. Yep. And, I mean, John, you've seen it over a lifetime, I think. Yep. That's why I am still dollar-cost averaging, Tony. Excellent. I'm retired supposedly. Yep. And I'm still dollar cost averaging. When the market went down 1200 points, I still averaged into the market. When it went up a thousand points, I still averaged it because no one knows. Right. And right. It's, it's historically evident that if you average into this thing, you'll win over the long term. What's the long term? Well, I'm 80, so I don't have too much long, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I hope there's a long term there, John. <laughs> I mean. But nonetheless, Long-term is more than five years for most people. And so in five years, we'll have a new government. We'll have some new, we'll get rid of some of these regulations. We may have a new Congress. Uh, things should be much better. Well, and I just to say it, I guess, as much as there are those and the entity, as you said, the prejudicial good government <laughs> entities out there that would want to go after businesses, I mean, despite all of that, 
business owners and productivity usually happen. Right. I mean, if there's an economic reward for something, they want to make that better mousetrap. And five years from now or six years from now, we don't even know what better mousetraps will be out there, whether it's for productivity or housing or cars or who knows. I mean, if they come up with one of these fuels that they're talking about where they just switch gasoline to a cleaner burning gasoline and you don't need an electric car. You don't go out and build this whole electric infrastructure just with a stroke. If one of these companies gets the magic recipe, now you can burn that gasoline and all your old cars, too, and you don't have to reformat the whole world. Well, I mean, it's that kind of advance, though. I, I don't know that that happens, John, but that's but the kind of right. thing. And it would be uh, what we know. If people would do the homework, uh, I can't think of his name right now. It's a German name. He's a famous environmentalist. Yeah. yeah anyhow, he just came out and said that if we converted to electric as we plan to, everyone converted, as said, all the electric worked and everything, and they turned on the switch, and we're now 100% electric, we'd have 11 minutes. 11 minutes, Tony. Oh, 11 minutes of- 11 minutes of electricity to run all those cars, all those furnaces, and all else is out there. So people are not looking, they're just blind. It's amazing how people just Put blinders on yeah. and just roll. I will say it's, it's gratifying to hear you say that on the dollar cost averaging part, though, John, because I was thinking about this, too. I've been telling a lot of people in a perfect world, I think we would all, you know, stock market's not doing so hot. And then we would all start to see a general upswing. Maybe consumer sentiment jumps up and then we can all just jump on the bandwagon and, and ride the wave only up, not when it goes down. I was thinking back a couple of weeks ago, the Dow Jones was up to 34,000, right. was up for weeks on end. Today, unfortunately, after this, it's under 31000 So that's kind of why the dollar cost average is the way to go. We'll play it by ears. No telling when it's going to end, but just ride the wave. Got to be a part of the ups and the downs. Well, if it doesn't work, I'll live in your basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we will end on that. Uh, please stick around for the next segment. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. Last segment, we wrapped up with uh, current events, which was pretty much just uh, inflation and the stock market outlook. And now we're going to move into the bulk of the show, which is about business interest, business planning. And I'll kind of be honest, the reason I thought of this, I've been watching some new, there's a bunch of docu-series, a bunch of people talking about starting a business. And it is kind of interesting because when I started in financial planning, I guess I kind of looked at starting a business unrealistically. I don't know. I thought it, to start a business, you had to be the next Steve Jobs, come up with the greatest idea that no one had thought of <laughs> yeah. to start a great business, not look for a gap and and what people want or they need fill the gap doesn't have to be extravagant so that's really kind of all it is to starting a business but i think sometimes people look at it like i did and it's you know what do, what do you mean start a business what does that even entail and if you do have a business you're probably busy as could be and there's a lot that maybe you don't feel like you have the time to look at so that's the whole genesis for the show we're going to jump into it but um john I, I guess i'd ask you first i know you always tell people if uh I don't know if the plan isn't working, you don't have the income that you're hoping for, then right, start a business or, or something oh, yeah. like that. So I Everyone guess... should have a business because if you're making less than 50000 a year, you need the money. If you're making more than 50000 a year, you need the tax deductions. Mm -hmm. So there's always a place for, for that. But I, you know, I've been doing businesses my whole life. 
starting them and whatever. And the very first business that I ever helped get started was with the high school buddy. So I'm like 17 years old and we're out in Brunswick, Ohio. And his father decided he would go in the corrugated box business. Ooh, okay, the growth industry. <laughs> exactly. Who would think they want to be in a corrugated box business? I mean, those are the boxes you put your your Apple stuff in and whatever else they mail it to you, right? Mm -hmm. So we sat at his kitchen table and took these little boxes and began to fold them and make them and whatever. And then when I came back from uh, the seminary a couple of years later and I went to visit him, his factory was three or four buildings and, you know, lots of business and lots of corrugated boxes and so on and so forth. That was the first one I saw help get started because I folded some of those boxes. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about what is a business, well, if you have, if you have a choice, if you have a chance, you should have a business in what you do, whatever it is. And so if you are uh, say a hairdresser, you could have a business, right? Yeah, absolutely. That could be, or you're a piano teacher. Sure. So maybe you're a school teacher and you also teach piano on the side. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd have that as your second business. Absolutely. Sure. So a business is very simple, something you go off and start and do. And it doesn't have to be, as you said, complicated or fancy. You don't have to be Steve Jobs. You just need to go start your business. Absolutely. I was going to say, I didn't know if Tony, you were going to jump in. Well, I, I know you <laughs> want to get into some great details, great <laughs> advice here. And I'm, I just want to take a step back for a second, because I know when I was starting with John and learning and really seeing it hitting the ground, how does it happen? If you've ever seen the movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, he's a successful business owner. He's done it. Rags to riches story. He goes back to college and he's sitting in this business class, listening to this fancy English professor talking about how to do a widget and what you need to do to do a widget properly. And he's sitting there describing the realities of it. Well, you got to make sure you got customers. You got to make sure you've got the unions. You got to make sure of this. And Spencer, as we do this, I think we want to make sure that we're talking to the reality side but also some of the hypothetical or the theoretical side, because the reality is a lot of businesses, they may start by accident. You found something you were good at. Someone offered to do something for you. Maybe they gave you some money for it. You didn't go out with an articles of incorporation or a business bank account with insurance. You just went out and did the thing. So we want to make sure as we're going through this too, that there's the theoretical, you know, what you're supposed to do. And then there's the reality of, well, hey, I just showed up and made work happen, and uh, people liked it. And well, I think that's really important that we, we cover both sides to that. You're right, Tony. That's the biggest part of the deal. And most business owners, if you meet them early on, they are a bit discombobulated. They are. You know, they don't know. <laughs> They're just trying to do a business and make corrugated boxes. What'd you make last month? I don't know. I put it back in the business. <laughs> right. That's usually and what we do. However get. much, they put it in the cigar box and open the cigar box when the bills came due. So same thing is true. But then someone like us or their accountant or an attorney or whatever comes along and starts to straighten them out, I'll say legally, because unfortunately that's a big part of owning a business today. So however small your business is, you're going to be encumbered by all the legal stuff that's out there. Uh, regulations. It really is real. And you keep imposing all those regulations, Tony. I, 
I don't know how you do that. No, you you said it before. You know, if you went into business now, you're probably paying more in licenses and fees before you've got dollar one in the door. I mean, you've got to consider that that there is an expense usually to doing some of this. So I know Spencer's. We're going to get into some of these great details. We have to keep that in mind. Right. You've got to make sure you're you are checking the boxes here. Well, you just can't think just, about it. How, how many? How much money do we spend now on just compliance? I could tell you, but I don't no, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot, John. It's a lot it's of a money. Lot. And so, believe me, when I started, Tony, I didn't pay any compliance. There wasn't any such thing. There was no governmental agency to enforce that. So we just did business. Then along comes somebody in the government and says, well, we need to do this. It's kind of like when you do a, uh, the government, somebody checks on themselves. What do you need that for? The people are honest or not honest. You come in and you, if you see them doing something wrong, you nail them. You don't need this compliance organization. Thousands of dollars. Do we have a compliance officer also, right? We certainly do. We do. And so there's costs for that. And then there's a cost for all the extra stuff we have to do. And there are FINRA regulation filings and oh, fees and other things. regulations and, and things that you go, oh, my goodness. You know, did you blow your nose on a Tuesday afternoon before 3 o'clock? That's in Spencer's ADV. Yeah. I know. I saw that. <laughs> All right. Sorry. So, Lots of disclosures. So I'm being silly, but the truth is there are there are all these encumbering things that businesses have. So when you get started, the legal stuff, you're right. We need to focus on that, but uh, most business owners will not start on that. They'll just get started. Yeah. And that's, I think, a good point you made, Tony. I think there's inevitably you get into the weeds a little bit and i think to your point about like what's the reality and then what's all the technicalities that's why i was talking to someone recently if you get a 1099 right you're just an independent contractor and you or if you're just starting up a business and you're a barber whatever it is on your tax return it's probably going to look the same so it's weird to think of being a contractor as a business owner but when you look at something like tax planning or a tax return it looks pretty much identical but that brings me to the first point. I got to get out of the way because I've heard the question or the thoughts many times. Is the mistake that an LLC is a tax entity? I know a ton of people, the second you want to start a business, someone gets in your year, make sure you set up an LLC first. And then it always goes to, well, should I be an LLC? Should I be an S corporation? What's the, what's the best thing? The LLC is just a liability shield, right? It stands for a limited liability company. You can be an LLC and a sole proprietor, meaning it's primarily just you or maybe you and a spouse operating the business. That is an LLC and it's taxed that way. You can be an LLC that's an S corporation. You can be an LLC that's a partnership. So the LLC is a liability side. The tax part is a completely different piece, but I, I don't know. I don't know about you two. I've heard that so many times. So I no, just had to no, get it out there. I know there. what could get Spencer for Christmas. I'm <laughs> yeah. giving him an LLC card. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Very good, yeah. sir. Now, again, it's, these are the details, though, that matter. And yeah. when we just start talking the lingo, it gets easy to get away from the real things that matter. Mm -hmm. And if you do want an LLC, the disclaimer nonstop with the show is going to be we're not the CPAs or the attorneys. But if you did want to do it or, or you were curious of the tools you can use, right, you can file on the state's website, if, especially if you live in Ohio, but it should be pretty much any state. You can use some free DIY tools like LegalZoom. So if you are someone out there who's considering it or know someone who is, those are kind of some easy tools to start with. So stick around. We'll be back on the third segment soon. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy.
Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. We are continuing the segment with business planning, a whole heck of a lot that goes with that. A quick reminder for anyone who's listening, if you want to find out more about our company or set a time to sit down and meet with one of the planners with our office, our website is managingtobewealthy.com. You can go up there. If you just want to listen to more shows, you can listen to the archive section in the top right. It'll take you to anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to set up a meeting, uh, free, complimentary, sit down with one of our planners and tell us a little bit about your plan and get our two cents. You click on take action in the top right and go from there. So last section or last segment, rather, we kind of wrapped up with LLC entity types. Moving on to the next part with the planning, tax is obviously a big one and you both can go with this wherever you want to. I always tell people because I know <coughs> nowadays people are looking at Reddit threads or listening to people on Instagram or whatever it is for quick advice. And I think people get over concentrated with details. My first piece is always, okay, what's the business? What's the entity? And then how are you going to track income and expenses? I think before you start worrying about anything else, that's probably the next piece. Uh, I don't know. What do you two think? Or are you going in a different direction? No, I mean, you're, it's so wide open. I mean, yeah. there's so many things we could go over here. I mean, you kind of hinted at it at the end of the last segment, though. There are other professionals out there, too, that at some point you may want to loop in. Yeah. Again, depending upon the phase of business you're at, you may have an accountant that you've changed jobs. You were working somewhere. You were working for somebody else. You were a W-2 employee. That's who this accountant knows. That's who this accountant works with. All of a sudden, you become a business owner, you buy something, you inherit something. That accountant may not be the best expert anymore for you because they might be used to just W-2 returns. So you want to make sure as you're entering this next phase or being a business owner, are the professionals I work with familiar with this stuff? I mean, I think that's really important that you have the right tools for the job. All right. So here's the next question without saying depends, ideally. Um, so say you file for business, you've got an LLC, or maybe you're just uh, filed registered with the state. Do you start immediately opening up bank accounts in the name of the business? Do you own cars through the business? That's a great one because a lot of people start a business and they're sloppy in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And this is part of being sloppy. If you have a business, <clears throat> you need a business checking account. Period. The end. Mm -hmm. If and you need uh, uh, other. If you have a car or a truck or whatever it is, you can put it. You can put it through the company. However, you have to be aware that it may boost your insurance. Yeah. Much higher than you're paying now. So you have to make that decision whether you want to do that or not. So there are several decisions like that where you need the help of an advisor. And Tony's right. I mean, did you ever notice there's more than one kind of doctor? There really is. <laughs> yeah. You might need an orthopod or <laughs> you might need a pediatrician, but you wouldn't go to the pediatrician for orthopedic work. Nor an orthopedist to the orthopod. Or whatever you say. Yeah, no, John. These are all specialties. <laughs> Sorry, I was joining in. Yeah, thanks. So I've been to too many doctors this past couple of weeks. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, John. So anyway, but it's important to realize that even there are people who are focused on certain areas. That's really the evolution why the financial planning world came about. Because we are general practitioners. Uh, we're the Marcus Welby. I know, Spencer, you don't know what that is. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. We're going to teach Spencer. Spencer, well, I'm um, Spencer. Marcus Welby was a physician. He was a family physician. And when people would come to him, he knew him so well. They were buddies and all that good stuff. Then all of a sudden, Marcus would notice, your eye is twitching. 
And so he would say, we need to go to a brain surgeon. And so then Marcus would find a brain surgeon and he would go with him to the brain surgeon and they would discuss the diagnosis. The brain surgeon would take over. He would do the surgery, whatever was necessary. But Marcus was always there supplementing the help. And then after that was all done, they went back to Marcus mm-hmm. as a general practitioner. That's the analogy I've always used with what we are and what we do because we're not the uh, brain surgeon. Tony may be, but the rest of us are not. I try to be. <laughs> I'm not, though. So uh, the, you're going to need specialists to do stuff, depending on what you're a CPA. If you're a business, you're eventually going to want to have a CPA, not a bookkeeper. You may also have a bookkeeper, but you want a CPA who understands your business. And so part of your part of your interview process is how many, what kind of business we in, Tony? Car dealership. Okay. How many car dealerships do you work with now? And I know I helped some folks put together car dealerships, and you would be amazed at how complex that can be. So if you don't have the right guy, they'll give you the wrong information, you're in trouble. Well, I'll shut up now, despite Spencer. You no, 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 that's a good point. And I will say with the whole Marcus Welby thing, someone needs to go back. I remember the Waltons reference, so that's uh, that's going to come for something. They but, didn't have any doctors in the Waltons. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I digress. Um, You're an old Andy soul, Spencer. Yeah. How about Andy Griffith? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good man, good man. Matlock is still going on daytime television. Oh, Matlock. So, but, um, <laughs> no, to your point, though, and I think that ties in nicely to what you said, too, Tony. I've definitely – seen it where there's no one size fits all. I've definitely seen some business owners that work with the CPA that says, own your car through the business. That's great. Some say, don't do that. Just right. Take advantage of the mileage, track that expense it. You may get a better bang for your buck. So at a certain point, you definitely need a specialist, if not right out the, right out the gate. Right. And to not go into the weeds, but to give an example of why you want a specialist, because Mm -hmm. there's just so much going on here. You could miss it. If you buy that vehicle and then you put it in the business and you've depreciated it and vehicle prices have gone up and you sold it and you needed to get a new one or you closed down the business, you may be left with a nasty tax bill because that vehicle sold for more than you depreciated it for. So with an accountant and doing some good strategy, you might determine whether or not you really sell this thing or you get rid of it or you keep it. But you've got to know your expert knows what you have going on, what your plans are, and that's commitment communicating an ongoing relationship, I think. Yeah, I agree. And also to help you with things like if you have a home office. Yeah. You know, how much, uh, how can you prove you have a home office? Are you really working out of that office? And your CPA will help you determine that. Do you use square footage? Do you use the number of rooms? And those kind of questions come up so you can decide if you and when you can deduct the month, the, the home office uh, from your taxes. That's why I always say start with the expenses too because, right, you get the income and then some people want to just jump to, do I set up a business retirement plan? Do I do something else fancy like a fringe benefit for an employee? It's, all right, first the expenses need to be squared away. The subscriptions, the fees, membership costs, that's all the easy stuff. It's the home office expense, mileage. Do you deduct the portion of the phone bill, the internet expense? It's all that kind of stuff, and that's where a CPA or some accountant would help too. And this is where, I hate to say philosophical, but I think, John, you've taught us it gets a little philosophical. As the business owner, traditionally, you want to do everything you can to sacrifice and take care of that baby. Got to take care of yourself, too. 
So when we're stacking up expenses and other things and you're thinking about expansion and investment, if you're not putting a little something to the side for yourself and you just keep rolling it one after the other in that business, you're really leveraging things up on that business, which may be helpful in some rare cases, but for the most part, to be diversified is going to be so helpful for you in the long run. So make sure even in the early times that you're still taking a little for yourself. And I think with business owners particularly, we always kind of joke and say your tax bill up to a certain point is negotiable. And I feel like with business owners, that's the epitome of it. So, right, past the expenses, the question of do you set up a business retirement plan? What's the best plan to do that? If you have employees, are you going to offer health insurance? Do you want to offer, uh, you know, a health care reimbursement plan or arrangement rather where you're not going to be the one who sets up the health insurance, but you can write off some they're real expenses, but you're adding benefits to employees, things like that, that you can incorporate that make your business more attractive to employees while also driving down the tax bill. So we're probably going to finish with taxes, insurance, and then a couple other things in the last segment. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, home stretch here, last segment. Uh, last segment we did primarily on tax planning. I want to move away from that on this one. Uh, reality is, if you're working with a financial planner or a CPA or you're looking for more information, there's a ton on tax planning, way too much for one show. Uh, I think we should wrap this segment talking about insurance. I, I don't know about you guys. I feel like insurance for business owners is probably the most overlooked. Um, the the entity type is one thing. There's a million people who talk to you about potential tax write-offs. I think a lot of people forget to make sure they're covered on liability side of things. So Easy one, I know everyone kind of starts with is just getting some sort of general liability coverage. Maybe it's in a million-dollar increment. That's great just to cover you if something bad happens. I know we were kind of joking in between segments about you know, oh, selling yeah. wood My and firewood, firewood and business? things like that. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, if I did have this fictional firewood business, you've got all these issues, right? You know, you just started out. You had an extra plate of timber. You said, I'm going to take it this year and get some extra bucks. You go out there and take it, and you're driving your new timber in your truck, and someone hits you. Are you in a business pursuit? Because now your car insurance may not be valid anymore. Because once you're using that vehicle for business pursuits, now there's a different coverage. Yep. Or if you're out there with a buddy, and that buddy's using the chainsaw, and they hit their own foot. Is that a worker's comp claim, <laughs> or is that just an upset friend? You know, these are the things that if you're out there just trying to make some money and do the right thing, if you don't go out there and perhaps document or think ahead, you could be in some trouble. And, John, you brought up our favorite. Let's say it's two, three years from now and you already sold your timber and you get that nasty gram from the IRS in the mail. You know, did you pay your taxes on this timber? Did you estimate correctly? Or maybe the state said, hey, there's some beetle on this timber that you shouldn't have. I don't know. But yeah. there's all this stuff that could go into it that if you're not eyes open here, you could get in some trouble. Well, another one is the insurance. You look at the insurance. Let's say you have a home business. There are a lot of those these days. And you have products in your home. Are they insured? Depends. It depends. The yeah. home, homeowner's insurance will not cover it. That's right. And so you have to have specific insurance to cover the products. And what about the traffic you have in your home? Those people who come and get your products or whatever, 
they have to be insured as well. If they trip over the carpet, is that a personal problem or a business problem? So you need a good insurance person to help you through that as well. Yeah, and the next one on top of that, because I think that's most common, is uh, errors and emissions coverage, or it's also commonly called professional liability, right? That's not necessarily going to be covered under that cheap first line of defense general liability. Generally, it's cheaper. Professional liability, your errors and emissions is usually pretty expensive. That's more for, and it, if you're someone that's running a business and you sign a contract, you're probably going to see it in the contract if that's something you're going to be responsible for. It'll say explicitly, we're hiring this business to do this. We are not responsible for any errors or emissions for the job that we are hiring you to do. So if all of a sudden you're hired to do a job, whether you're a property manager or something else, and all of a sudden you don't deliver the product or do what you were contracted out to do, right? they could come after you for not doing what you said you were going to do. That's when professional liability kicks in, not, hey, someone came to pick in, pick up inventory, tripped and busted their face, and now I'm liable for it, right? That's the next part of it. Right. I, I You're so on it, Spencer. I mean, I, again, I put myself in the shoes of a few years ago just learning this stuff. And I think a lot of people were afraid to let their insurance people know when they're in a new pursuit. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the opposite. Let them know ahead of time. Usually the charges are not that bad when you're brand new, starting out, you don't have any history. Hopefully you don't have any claims history. If you're starting out with a clean record and you inform them ahead of time and your agent's the one giving you great advice, hey, you need to do this now or maybe you don't need to do it yet, I think that's really the best way to go because like you're saying, there's so many different things that could come up. And, you know, we believe in a team approach. So you need a quality insurance person. And they're one of your advisors as well. So your CPA is an advisor. Your attorney's an advisor. Uh, you need an insurance advisor. You need a good financial planner and so forth. So you have to keep them informed. That's the big mistake a lot of people make is they don't give all the facts to their advisors. And then something happens and they're trapped. Right. I mean, you think about it. If you're someone who just started out with one of these 3D companies to build a home with a 3D printer, and it it's a great idea perhaps, but the thing has to set. And if the power goes out and you're in the middle of a $500,000 job and the power goes out and this mold doesn't set right and you have to go back and start from scratch, who pays for that? Is that covered on your insurance? Do you know? I mean, these are the things that you might have some great new idea, and unless you're thinking about the negatives, the bads, and typically as an entrepreneur, you're thinking of the positives. How's it going to work out? You're not thinking of the negatives, and that's why we're here, too, just to make sure that we're covering all possible scenarios. Hopefully, it all works out for the best. That is kind of the most – I've said this a lot recently, actually. I think that's the most gratifying part of what we do is because I feel like being the general uh, practitioner allows us to be more proactive. I talk to so many people, and maybe it's just the world we live in. I don't see insurance brokers necessarily reaching out proactively to say, hey, did this change? Are you covered for this? I don't see accounts or CPAs reaching out or come filing time when they've got a million returns to do. Hey, did you track this expense? Did this happen to come up? So I think to your point, John, you really do need a team around you, especially when your business is your, your life. You're pouring all your time into it. And that's kind of the great part of what we do is that we can prompt all those talking points. We may not be the one to put it to action, but we'll facilitate it and reach out to hopefully get everything working the way it should. We can, we're the coach and we can help draft the players. Yeah, absolutely. Which this is the fun part too. I mean, again, go back to the successes mm -hmm. when you're in business and it's going right and you're doing the right things. 
man, there's so much that opens up for you. Whether you want to hire family members, if that's a great idea for you, whether you want to pay other people more because they're doing a great job for you, or you just do a great job for your customers and you enjoy that. I mean, when you think about it and you're in business successfully, there are so many rewards you get, the financial freedom, the freedom of your time, the freedom of knowing what your children might do or have an option to fall back on at least. I mean, there's so much to this that when you do it the right way, business really gives you a leg up in this society. Yeah, and I think uh, I think to bring it full circle too, when I made the comment about uh, when you're a 1099 or you're as just a sole business owner, they look very similar on, on the tax returns. And I don't know how many people I've talked to where they're really successful, making a lot of money. You sit down for a meeting, ask what the top priority is, and it's, I'm getting killed with the tax bill. What can I do to drive it down? First question immediately is, Okay, you already have a very nice and high W-2. Is there any flexibility, any plan to turn some of that income into 1099, right? Because if so, right now you've technically got a business in the in the IRS's eyes and the, the CPA's eyes, and there's a whole new list. You almost press reset on what tax planning opportunities there are on top of all the nice little benefits and goodies you get through work. So... Right. And the more you understand that, though, the better. I mean, right. that's, I think, what we're saying this whole show, mm-hmm. trying to educate, and there's so much here. But the more you know, the better questions you can ask. Mm-hmm. So as you may grow your team and you may have these other players come and go, the more you're aware from doing your own research, the better questions you're going to ask. That's what we really find by asking a lot of questions. We learn how to ask better questions. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the good thing. You may also notice that the business owner has a different attitude and it's a positive attitude, as you said, Tony. And so that's something to realize you're, if you build your business, you're going to feel different. You're going to, you're going to feel like you're in a higher station or whatever, but you're going to feel better. It's a great, great reward. Yeah. And we see it we see it all the time. And I get just to say it too. Not everyone's made to be a business owner. We know that Oh no, it is a lifestyle. It is not a nine-to-five job where you turn in the keys when you're done. You've got to be willing to have that lifestyle. Absolutely. Not nine-to-five, that's for sure. Well, we barely scratched the surface, but that's all we have for tonight. So I hope you got some good details out of it, and hopefully you listen to the next show. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN.